If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. But I got to join the show. It sounded a lot of fun. Back after a bye week. Who knew that there were bye weeks in the offseason? But we are back together. Fun Belt Podcast, Dusty Thibodeau from Warhawk Report, Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record, the Pulitzer Prize winning Daily News Record, and Jeremy <laughs> Harper from HowRazor.com. Welcome back, guys. How, I, how, did, how did you enjoy the bye? I, I, first of all, I enjoyed my bye. Thank you very much. But you didn't refer to HowRazor as the Pulitzer winning sports I, blog. I thought it, it was would be the just as true. Or- it would be just as true to call it. Are you saying the the daily news record has never won a Pulitzer? I thought they were just handing no, those out. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> well, what are you going to get on that, man? Oh, I need to. <laughs> uh, no, man, I've had a great two weeks. You know, it was nice. It, it was it was relaxing. You know, well, not relaxing. I mean, I had shit to do. I had to mow my grass and and get some stuff done. Shane, are you mowing grass by, back at, uh, up east yet? I need to. The day I was going to, it rained, and then I used that as an excuse to hold off on some yard work. Mm, mm, yeah, you know what? I love that excuse. Like, it rains a little bit. You're like, mm, can't do any yard work. The yard's wet. Yeah. But now but now it's a disaster because it all grew. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Tibbs? You live in, in Houston. I'm sure you've been mowing since January, right? Outsourced. I have no idea when my yard gets mowed. Oh, you're one of those guys that has people come over and mow your yard. I got, I got people, Jeremy. I got mm, people. I do too. They're, they're 16 and 20 years old. So you, you, you hire ch- child labor is what I hear. <laughs> I don't hire, but I do command. <laughs> I call that my sons, the mochachos and they get out there with the weed whacker and the, in the, in the, um, and the uh, lawnmower and do an absolute shit job. And I have to kind of go behind them and go, you miss this part. You miss this. And listen, you're supposed to weed whack here. It's just constant. They've been doing it for two years now, and they always do a bad job. I don't know what, what to say. Speaking of a bad job, mm-hmm. the conference did not do a bad job in the NFL Ooh. draft. Ooh. Wow. That was a quite the segue. I do what I can there. Nine former Sunbelt standouts selected. Highest drafty Nick. Saldaveri, I think is how you say it, headed to the hometown. He's headed to the Saints. Highest draft pick this year for the Sun Belt in the fourth round, 103rd pick. Just a few later, Jake Andrews from Troy, headed to New England, long way from the plains of Alabama there in Troy, Alabama. Yeah, nine draft picks. I believe believe Sam from the Sun Belt all sent us a press release claiming that was – the most from the Sun Belt is that? Did you get that press release? It is the most. The most. Last year we had six. This year we had nine, but three of those of those nine came from Old Dominion. One of the, in terms of wins and losses, one of the more mediocre teams. What does that say? I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I don't can't read the tea leaves on that. Does that? Is there something I should be reading from that, Shane? I don't know. <laughs> Quite honestly. <laughs> well, while you're while you're crunching those numbers, Shane Tibbs, I'm going to give you some other numbers, and I, I want you to tell me what you think of this. Okay, so in 2022, the NFL drafted 48 G5 talents. That's 48 guys into the pros. This year, that number has sunk to 34. That's a 32 percent drop. Last year, the NFL drafted 15 group of five athletes, and that's not including players from Liberty and UConn, into the first three rounds, including two in the first round. This year, none in the first round, and only five in the first three. What is happening here? All right, before you make make that judgment, if you look at how many people went to the draft this year, 80% from Power 5 programs, 80%. That is a huge number to me. 
So somebody said the portal. Is that it? Is that what, really what's happening here? Yeah, I, I think that in their bio somewhere, they should have their full career stats, you know, started out at ULM, Arkansas State, yeah. wherever, but then transferred to Miami where they went on to be a all a, a ACC performer and a second round draft pick. Yeah, so is it yeah. fair? Like a player spends three formative years, four formatives, even two formative years at a group of five conference, spends one year like, I don't know, at Kansas State or something like that. And then comes out a draft pick, and then Kansas State gets to say that's their draft pick. Is that fair? I don't know. I didn't crunch the numbers on that, by the way. I don't know how many of those drafted into the into the NFL got their start at G five programs. I know anecdotally there were there were some that I recognized, but I don't know what the true numbers are. I, I wish somebody with like a research department, <laughs> maybe in a fancy Pulitzer. Uh, <laughs> East Coast newsroom <laughs> yeah. would have the resources to dig that number up. You, but, you're overestimating our resources. <laughs> I think interns be like, Newsboy, chop, chop. I need this research now, pronto. Make it quick, and there's a quarter in it for you. Chop, chop. Mm. You don't have that? I, I don't. Oh. Okay. But Shane, so, what, what do you think of that? Is it the transfer portal? Is it is it, or is there something else? I have sort of even a more sinister idea behind it. But is it something else at play? I mean, I think, yeah, it's partly the portal. It's to think about how many years you were going back. But yeah. the Power Five leagues are getting bigger, mm-hmm. so there's more teams. I mean, um, like I said, I can't remember how far how far you went back, but you know, once upon a time. Just a year. Okay. But, I mean, once upon a time, you know, the Big 8 was the Big 8 with eight teams. <laughs> and, and now it's going to be whatever it is by the uh-huh. time it is next year. Um, the Big 10 used to have 10. I can, I'm can. i old enough to remember when the Big 10 had uh, 10 teams, if you can believe it. It's uh, uh, yeah. so, I mean, there, there are more Power 5 teams than there used to be. I think so. It probably trends that way. A lot of players aren't finishing their career. Mm-hmm. at a group of five school especially with we had the discussion about jmu the other day um they're losing a lot of people that have jmu degrees now and just have an extra year to play with so they're like i want to go see if i can play in the sec sure. or the acc or whatever and like you know really prove that i was as good as those guys all along or girls it's happening in all sports uh, you know, absolutely and i don't i kind of i don't blame the players yeah I mean, a lot of them too. It's not even just, oh, I want to test my my skills at a, a better level. Some are like, hey, I'm looking to finish my degree or act or augment my degree. I can't get it here. Like we had a kicker, go to Notre Dame. What are yeah. you gonna say? Don't go to Notre Dame. And I sometimes it's I think it's a combination right now of there's the portal and there's the COVID years. So a lot of people are just looking at that fifth or sixth year as a t- complete bonus. They're like, I went to the school I chose for four years. I've got my degree. I'm graduated, but I've got this extra year to do whatever the hell I want or can <laughs> think of or can pull off. Uh-huh. And a lot of them are doing it. So I'm going to be really interested to see two is will be two years from now when there's no more COVID years left. Everybody that was playing in 2020s already through mm-hmm. um if we'll see as many people finishing their career as many really good players finishing their career somewhere else once they've stayed at the school for a while all right that is all very sane and rational reasoning thank you shane that's why you're here <laughs> you bring that sort of gravitas that that tibbs and i just simply cannot bring to the table but here is my kind of kind of conspiracy theory surrounding this. So two years ago, Cincinnati finally gets in, gets a group of five program behind the red velvet rope, right? We get the we get a group of five member into the big uh, uh, playoff game. Oh, we could do it. It's, it, it, it. it's technically possible now. The doors have been swung wide open. It's like when Babe Ruth... It's 60 home runs. It was like, we can hit home runs. Let's start doing it. 
That's who it was for the group of five. We could be part of this club. And ever since that happened, the Power Five poached three premier group of five teams, plus BYU, which I never counted as a group of five team. They they sort of poached their own weaker conferences, poaching the Big 12 and the Pac-10, or the Pac-12, kind of took away some of their good toys. And now they've got this sort of this idea that they, they looked around, they're looking around for some more poaching to do before it ends. They seem to be propping up Tulane, which I, I, I can't understand. I, I read a report today that the Pac-12 is looking at Tulane, which is only 1900, 1,900 miles away from USC. It just doesn't seem like much of a fit, but they're honestly, seriously considering it. Is this just a matter of the Power Five, once again, feeling threatened by the group of five and saying, okay, we're just going to move the goalposts again. And the evidence is right here in the NFL draft. Thibodeau, talk me down from this ledge. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean, I, I think that it's, I think it's a transfer. I, I think that you okay. kind of lose your identity whenever you're leaving the G5 Sunbelt conference and going into the P5 Adios. You're now a member of Texas, Bama, wherever you sign. And so that's where it's going, to, it's going to show up that you're from. I think it's pure and simple, whether that's that you're taking advantage of that COVID year, like you said, or just I made a mistake because I went to this too small a school and I was too big of a fish. Or they were good enough to develop you into a big fish. But But besides that, did you guys, are you guys like me? Did you guys watch the NFL draft? Watch a little bit of it, but here's here's the question I have for you. There were nine picks. Was yeah. anybody really a surprise yes. of them falling where they went? And I'm talking about our, our nine picks in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. And was there anybody that went undrafted that you felt was going to be in that mix? Shane, I'll, I'll kick it over to you. <laughs> I thought Todd Santeo had a pretty good shot at going in the seventh round. Ended up not going. Um, you know, sometimes it's better for these guys because they end up signing in a place – where, you know, they have some input where they're going, where they think they can make a team or a practice squad or something. But I, I did think maybe he had a chance of going late, um, just where he was slotted amongst the quarterbacks. Jeremy, I, any, any shocks for you? Yeah, you know, I had a list of people that I thought could get drafted, right? And the list was based mostly off of what other people are saying. I'm not a huge evaluator of talent. I was surprised to hear Cooper Hodges from Appalachian State get called. And I was also surprised to hear Southern Mrs. Eric Scott Jr. get called. Both are good players, don't get me wrong. They just weren't on my rain, uh, radar. But the one guy who, you, you know, Mel Kuyper always has this list at the, bo- at, at the bottom of the broadcast, right? The, the 10 best available, right? On that list for like five hours, was poor Jason Brownlee, the wide receiver out of Southern Miss. It was like the number two or the number one best available for like five hours and never heard his name called. Did get the free the undrafted free agent, though. He is going to be a Jet. Coincidentally, yeah. the Jets picked my falling star, tight end Zach Koontz. He was not a seventh rounder. I thought he was a day two guy especially after he went and just kind of dominated that NFL combine. I expected him to be a third, maybe fourth round draft pick. The fact the Jets got him as late as they did, it's kind of a steal, but I thought that he was a lot better of a player than where he wound up being drafted. Yeah, the analysis guys were talking about, well, he got hurt. And so that's why he (laughs) fell. But I was surprised too. You're right. That was a big surprise to me. In fact, uh, we kind of dominated the seventh round this year, this year, but yeah, I did. I expected Coons to be one of the first people off the list. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder if the injury maybe was a big part of that, you know, teams just wondering where he stands, how healthy he's going to be. Cause I mean, no, no denying NFL size and talent with that guy. Now I remember uh, standing by him at, at Sunbelt media days and, and I was just dwarfed. He was so big. I even said, I said to Tibbs, who is that guy? I thought like a basketball player had wandered in. It was, 
I mean, he looks like he could play left tackle, but he runs like a tight end. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he got he did get injured, which I probably hurt that. But there was a lot of tight ends selected this year, and a lot of them I thought you know didn't measure up to Coons. But you know, another guy that tragically didn't get picked up, it was the all-time leader in tackles, Carlton, Carlton Marshall. But we've seen that before, right? Where a great college player uh, just doesn't seem to have the measurables for the NFL draft. So I don't know if Carlton Marshall got his UFDA, but uh, he, the all-time leader in tackles, did not hear his name called during the NFL draft. Yeah, but you you got to remember he was a small guy, and, and, and the people that run the draft are always going to try to find the reason not to draft you, then find the reason to draft you. And I think that his height, while it worked out for him in college, worked out for him every which way uh, in his career, the NFL guys don't like short people. Oh, absolutely not. In fact. Uh... The Sun Belt Defensive Player of the Year came out of Arkansas State a couple times. Defensive ends. Don't ask me their names because I, I slowly forget them. But they were undersized. They made a lot of tackles at defensive end. But they were not NFL-sized, and then they did not get picked up. So you, 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 I, I feel like that's something with the Sun Belt. I think that's why we're seeing some NFL draft success now. I mean, the, the Sun Belt came behind only the American in terms of group of five conferences, putting people in the NFL draft. Although the AAC had a down year, I think uh, in 2022, they put some like 24 guys in the draft this year. They only had 10. That's another another complaint for me, but uh, Sunbelt right behind him. It's kind of more evidence to say that we as a, a conference have caught up to the American in a lot of ways. And and this needs to be another proof point that the commissioner, Commissioner Gill, our good friend, frequent guest, Commissioner Gill, uh, needs to bring up and maybe rub it in the face of Mike Oresco if he can, which I'd be 100% behind. A couple other notable free agent signings. Kevon Bennett, running back for Arkansas State, headed to the Falcons. Todd Santeo to the Chiefs. James Blackman. James, Jeremy. Jason His Blackman, first name right? is James. The Jason? He's headed to he's headed to South Beach in Miami. Jason Brownlee to the Jets, as we said. Boogie Knight headed west to the Chargers. Cameron Peoples to the Panthers. Stephen Jones Jr. to the Titans. Chase Bryce, something I didn't know you could actually do. Two tryouts. He is <laughs> trying out with the Jets and the Falcons, but has not signed an official uh, UDFA. Okay, so I've heard some guys saying that they've got rookie camp invites which sounds to me different than udfas is that like where you could get a udfa you could get a udfa or a practice squad slot more than likely a practice squad so the the udfa is like here's some money come come join us rookie camp is maybe we'll give you a shot at trying out and see if you guys can get in think of udfa as a preferred Uh walk-on you got a spot but we'll probably cut you pretty quickly uh-huh. Rookie camp is the open tryouts, yeah, so you can okay. hopefully become a PWO. Okay. Yeah, I was surprised Cam Peoples didn't get as much talk or as much like He just seemed like a, a prototype running back. But running back, I guess, is just you better have those super skills. Before. I, I don't feel like running back did very well in the draft this year. So maybe maybe that was part of it, too. And not be a part of a team that way underachieved. Well, he still had three come out of Old Dominion. So I don't know. And and Stanford. Stanford had three wins this year. Put five guys into the NFL. I was like, what is going on here? That's been sort of a debate amongst JMU fans. They haven't had a lot of guys drafted Mm -hmm. for all the success they've had. And a lot of Jamie fans are like, why not? What are we doing wrong? We're not getting drafted. You're recruiting an entire team of very good college players and you win. Would you rather have that than like say ODU where you've got three athletic freaks, but you don't have a whole team of guys who can play at the college level. Like I think you kind of got to take the good with the bad there. And uh, 
decide how important the uh, draft really is to you. Yeah, I, I think that especially works in the Sun Belt, where yeah. you can just recruit a lot of really solid guys and have a great football team. And sometimes guys are coming to the Sun Belt because they're undersized or yeah. they're fast, but they haven't learned how to play a position or whatever it is. And, you know, those, you know, would you rather have one Khalil Mack coming out of Buffalo on a horrible uh-huh. team, or would you rather have a bunch of UDFAs and rookie camp guys who, you know, help you win games? Now I do know that when it comes to recruiting, there is nothing that that's lights up recruits eyes. Then when you say, Oh yeah, we put in three guys in the NFL last year. Yeah. You could come here to old dominion. Maybe we'll put you in the NFL too. And I know that's a, that has been a big uh, sore point for Arkansas state fans from 2007 to 2014. We put in at least one guy every year and it felt good. I mean, we're winning games too, but it just felt good to do that. It was like, all right, we're advancing kids. We, we have, we're a program where you can make that leap. We haven't done that since 2014, and it's beginning to give us a complex. When was the last ULM guy to go? It, 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 has, it hasn't been that long. To be drafted? Yeah. It's Believe it, it would be Marcus Green. Yeah. When he, right. when he was drafted to Atlanta uh, five-ish years ago. Yeah, I remember that surprised the hell out of me. He wasn't on my board, and it happened. It happened. Got cut pretty quickly. <laughs> but that, I, I mean that's also part of the business that i think a lot of guys don't realize is the draft the draft giveth the draft take it away with also yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. one but other you- draft note we're headed north also the raging cajuns punter reese burns drafted by the montreal alouettes of the cfl yes Oh, hey, here's another side bit that I noticed. Uh, at the, I, 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 first of all, I always watch day three of the NFL draft. It's my favorite part because it goes by quick. I'm likely to see a name I recognize. I watched the whole damn thing. I watched five hours of drafting on, uh, on Saturday. But it was kind of funny. Our good friend Silver, uh, Brandon Silver, showed up because he was leading his XFL team after the draft in a big game that was coming up in the NX XFL and they're out, he was out there warming up and he's starting for his team. So it was good to see an old Sunbelt campaigner out there, Brandon silver, legendary quarterback for Troy out he's there. He's a Sunbelt legend. Yeah. What? but yeah, Sunbelt legend, Troy. Yeah. When I well, yeah. Anyway, but still it's great to see him out there. I think there were a couple other Sunbelt guys out there too. So it was fun. It was kind of a neat, neat thing to see. One team that did not have a player called on the NFL draft, Texas State. Mm. But we got the inside scoop of what the Bobcats are looking like with new head coach G.J. Kinney in the spring when we caught up with Kef Chardello. Win now or get bent, the best podcast name, other than Fun Belt Podcast, of course. Never say it. Kef Chardello. There you go. You nailed it. You got a new head coach. You went through the spring. Tell us, what are these Bobcats going to look like when the fall rolls around? Um, I think it's going to look a lot different than it looked in the spring, specifically on the offensive line. I've already seen the the Bobcats. Some of them entered the transfer portal, like David Hensley. Um, I, I'm blanking on the other one that, that hopped in. Oh, yeah, Jackson Schultz. He was actually a pretty good uh, backup left tackle. They hopped in the portal this week, and you've seen them them hand out a bunch of offers. Uh, yesterday, they handed one out to the Texas Tech offensive lineman, another Troy offensive lineman. Um, they've they've got a commitment from Marcus Alexander from Oklahoma. They're looking at another guy from Oklahoma named Bray Walker. So they're looking at a lot of offensive linemen. Uh, I think they they went into the spring and and they lost a few starters to the transfer portal, like Kyle Hergel um, and Dalton Cooper. Uh, Hergel, he went off to to Boston College and Oklahoma State for Dalton Cooper. But that being said, whoops, sorry, I, I clicked out of the Zoom re- real quick. <laughs> there we go. All right, I was turning off my my text notifications. Um, but yeah, so the, there's they had some guys enter the portal. Some other guys graduate, like Russell Baker, 
Richard West. So th- their whole starting lineup on the offensive line from last year is, is gone. And even a couple of the, the really good backups at the beginning of spring camp, Silas Robinson, who's going to be the starting center, he entered the transfer portal, went to Incarnate Word. So there, there's a lot of shifting at that spot specifically. And we saw that in the spring game where it was the defensive line for the Bobcats was having a field day against Texas State. So they they definitely need to clean up that offensive line. They're, they've introduced this fast-paced offense where they basically sprint to the ball every play, and, they, and they're all constantly in a hurry-up set. And they need these offensive linemen to, to be on point with that and be able to, to rush to the ball. And now coming over from Incarnate where G.J. Kenny and, and six of the other coaches, they brought over a bunch of players, and a bunch of those players were five offensive linemen. They're bringing over eight total Incarnate Word players, five on the O-line. A few of them are starters like Dorian Strawn. Uh, the left tackle is, is Nash Jones. Um, so the Caleb Johnson as well in there at guard. So these guys are familiar with Kenny and their system. So I feel like we'll still see them come the fall. Like they're still going to be in the mix and possibly in that starting lineup. But they're, they're, I think there's going to be a new center. I think there's going to be uh, – a new guard, new tackle. There's going to be a lot, a lot of new pieces on that line. And I think that will, will go a long way for getting this offense to look the way they want, look the way uh, when it was the, the number one offense in the nation last year at Incarnate Word with, with, with that whole system. Because they, they brought over the offensive coordinator. They brought over full staff. So they're running that, that offense that they had at Incarnate Word that was averaging 50-something points a game. Uh, and in order to do that, starts on the O-line. And they, they've really got to fix that. So it's going to look different uh, at a lot of positions. You know, I think they're looking to add more receivers, even more defensive backs, defensive linemen, and even a quarterback. I mean, they were, they were talking to Central Florida quarterback, Thomas Castellanos. He came out to the spring game two days after entering the transfer portal. Um, so, you know, I mean, to get him to come on a visit tells me that they're, they're seriously looking at him. Not sure what what's going on with that. I haven't seen a commitment or or anything of that nature. I'm sure he's still weighing his options, but it's telling the fact that they're still looking at a quarterback despite bringing in Malik Hornsby from Arkansas, former four star guy at a at a high school, a terrific athlete. He was uh, coveted by some big schools like Nebraska, wanted him to play receiver. Comes to Texas State so he can play quarterback. Feels confident that this that this coaching staff believes in him. And they go out and they and they look at it, another quarterback when they already have four in the room. They're going to have five when PJ Hatter, a high school prospect, they signed comes in. So I mean, they have Hornsby now, CJ Rogers looking like the number two, Ty Evans, who's a North Carolina State transfer, former Elite Eleven quarterback, pretty good guy himself, and then Derek Motte, he's the scout guy, and then PJ Hatter coming in. That's five. So if they were to bring in Castellanos, that's six. And that's too many. So somebody's going to be gone. Uh, don't know who that is or what capacity, or maybe they're going to roll with six quarterbacks. I'm not sure, um, but it, it's interesting. It's going to look a lot different. There's certain positions that are pretty set that aren't going to change much, really, at like like running back and slot receiver. Um, but they're they're going to add some more. And there's been as of right now, when I'm talking to you, there's been I've seen four guys enter the portal since Saturday, two offensive linemen one defensive lineman and a receiver. Um, I, I expect there to be more. I don't know exactly how high of a number that's going to get to, but I expect there to be more for the Bobcats and for them to, to bring in a, a lot more transfers. When the season kicks off, you won't even leave the state of Texas until right at the end of September, kicking off mm-hmm. at Baylor, at UTSA, and then back-to-back at non-conference home games with Jackson State, Nevada. Does that kind of help? the new coaching staff kind of get things settled or is that maybe a little bit of a detriment that you're, you're really sleeping in your own bed and you don't get used to playing on the road for when you have that big road swing going to Southern Miss to the raging Cajuns. And then later in the year, having to go to coastal and to Arkansas state. Yeah, I think there's, there's a couple ways to look at it. And that's definitely a good way where you get out of that routine of going on the road and staying in a hotel and, and all that stuff when you're really just hopping on a bus and going down to San Antonio, which is less than an hour drive, and the Waco, which is less than two hour drive. Um, I, I, I personally love it. I'm going to go on the road, cover them. You know, usually when they go out of state in the Sun Belt, it's pretty hard for me to, to afford that travel because it's so far because Texas State is kind of on an island in the state of Texas. So I think I think from that perspective, staying in, in state and playing some of these other teams, 
for the program is good for fans to be able to get to go and, and see them. Um, uh, and for just, just to, to, to curate some rivalries in state rivalries around here when just because like I was saying, no other, no other teams really around except for Louisiana and, and Arkansas state, you know, they're, they're right there and ULM. Um, but I, 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 I get where you're coming from with that, where they fall, they don't get to get into that routine of, of an overnight in another town and, and all of that, but I don't think it's a detriment. Um, I, I, I don't think it, it, I don't think it's a detriment or an advantage really. I, I think it's, it's, you know, these guys are, are, are athletes. They're going to go out and, and, and perform. I, I think a lot gets made about them going on the road and stuff, but even I know here at Texas state, when, even when they're playing at home, the whole team goes and stays at the NBC suites a few miles down the road, like the night before. So they, everyone's all in the same area and then they all get on a bus and then they drive to the stadium together. So they kind of, they, they still get that routine and, and they, they do that to make, so that they can maintain that routine throughout the whole season. Um, and I should say that's what previous coaches did. We'll see what Kenny does. I'm, I'm not sure, but I imagine he'll do the same thing. So I, I think they'll be pretty, pretty prepared for when they do eventually leave the state. Not on this year's schedule, but I know it's a game that that's that already circled by a lot of Bobcat fans. In 24, the in-state rivalry against the the Bearcats comes mm-hmm. back as they get ready to play same Houston State neutral field at Energy in Houston. How big is that game dating back to even the old Southland days or or the one double A days of Southwest Texas State in Sam Houston? Absolutely. I mean, for me personally, it's I I got to Texas State. As a student, 2007, my first season covering them for the student newspaper was 2008. And that was the the last time this football program won uh, any semblance of a conference championship. Similar to the JMU situation, they were actually gifted it because Central Arkansas had just transitioned up and they actually had the better record and beat the Bobcats, but they couldn't take the title of Southland champs. So Texas State got it. But I digress. How they got that championship that year was they played Sam Houston State very last game of the year, game win to overtime. Uh, Sam Houston State had Rhett Bomar as their quarterback. If anybody remembers that name, former Oklahoma guy, got in trouble there, had to transfer. Uh, and, and the Bobcats pulled it out, and they won. And it was uh, it was a big rivalry. It was in Huntsville. There were fans, uh, Texas State fans there, and they even rushed the field in Huntsville. There weren't a ton, so they didn't fill the field. It wasn't like, you know, what we've seen from some of these P5 games, these, these – uh, or they're just covering the field, but there it mattered. They were out there they, to beat Sam Houston State to to win a, a conference championship was huge, and so that one always sticks in my mind for me. Where it's just like, man, that was it was nice. That was a real a real rivalry, and that's unfortunately something that's been lacking here. Like they they've tried to get something going with UTSA, and that's a legitimate rivalry. Really, the fan bases and the schools, you know, they, there's no love lost there but it's been a lopsided rivalry. It's been four nothing in favor of UTSA of the four times that they have played in football. Um, so it, it'll, it'll, it'll be nice for nostalgia. I don't know if it's going to be a legitimate continuation, something they'll do every non-conference. I think they're they're, um, but it, it'll be, it'll be good for that, that one year in 2024 and to, and to play the NRG is, is fantastic. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I personally am going to enjoy that. And I, I think Texas State's getting some money to play that one, like five hundred grand, something like that. So that'll nice. be, uh, yeah. So it's it's um, it's good, good for the Bobcats, good for both sides. I think good for for Sam Houston State. I know they've been itching for sure to to, to get a chance at playing Texas State. They for sure have reveled in in the Bobcats' demise and at the FBS level since they've they've moved up. That's one that's one area of the country that's really enjoyed watching the Bobcats lose. This past year, Bobcat basketball, we knew coming in that it was going to be a little bit of a strain with uh, Asbury departing, but you still had Mason Harrell coming back. Maybe not the best regular season, but that postseason run to the semifinals before you kind of ran into the buzzsaw there of the Raging Cajuns. What was kind of TJ's reaction whenever the the season was over and and done with? Was he kind of pleased with that season? Were you pleased with it? And and what was kind of the, the vibe? You mean the regular season? I, I can I can say for sure what were TJ's thoughts were after that post game press conference after the last game. He was hot. He was not happy. He was calling guys out, which is very 
I wouldn't say uncharacteristic, but he, he's just not one to 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 do that. You know, he's usually a very positive, uplifting guy. But obviously, that that signals he was not satisfied with that season. And I felt like that propelled them into the tournament where they made it to to the semifinals. Um, that that fire kind of kind of lit under these guys, specifically Mason Harrell. Um, you know, he was a fifth year senior, played a lot of ball here, and he he I think he took that to heart. Uh, as far as the regular season, that was it was a tough season because they actually led the nation. Or I think they were second in the nation in injuries as far as starters who missed time. There was I, there was a graphic that they they put up on on the ESPN Plus broadcast that I, I'd be butchering if I tried to repeat it specifically. But there was one other team that had more starters out for more amounts of time, and it would be staggered injuries. It'd be like Mason Harrell's out for a few games, and then Nate Martin, and then. They would never, they would never coincide. But it, it, because of that, it there was never any chemistry. They couldn't, they couldn't get there and build it throughout the season. And then they started to get somewhat healthy towards the tournament, and that's when you saw them. They actually, you know, the, the two years past, they've won the regular season Sun Belt championship, and then this year they uh, they didn't win it, but they went further in the tournament than they had in those other two years because those other two years win win the regular season championship. And then they go to the tournament and lose right off the bat in the quarterfinals. This time they actually made it to the semifinals. So it's, 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 I wouldn't call it a, 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 a victorious season or, or like, or a season that they're, they're truly satisfied with, but they at least got back some pride in that tournament where it was a really, it was a really tough go in the regular season, especially in conference. And then for them to to show up in the tournament and actually play with some grit, I think that goes a long way for for this program. Um, but it's tough, you know. Mason Harrell, we were just talking about, he's gone now. I mean, fifth year guy. He he almost didn't come back last year and chose to come back. So it was nice for him after he made that choice to come back, and then they make it to to the tournament, and he's able to to have some success. I think that was that was nice for him because that regular season was definitely not what he, I'm sure he envisioned when he wanted to come back. But yeah, losing losing Mason Harrell, losing Drew Drennan, um, they're going to have some some um, vacancy at the guard position. Then there was a couple other guards, uh, Brandon Davis, some other guys deeper on the roster that entered the transfer portal. But a big player that entered the transfer portal, um, you know, literal literally and figuratively big big for the program and big in stature he's like six eight nate martin he entered the transfer portal and he's actually off to marshall so staying in the sun belt he was a starter for the bobcats the last two seasons consistently uh and he you know he's going to get you 8.6 rebounds about every night so you know sometimes that's an average you know he'll get into double digits in, in both categories sometimes as well um, he's a, a good presence in the paint off to, to Marshall in Sunbelt rival, but that's, that's going to be some big losses for this team. You know, they've, they've made some signings. They got a, a nice local guy named Caden Gums from San Marcos high school. who's a really good point guard, but there there's uh, I, I expect a, a, maybe a little bit of a drop off next year, but you never know with, with, with TJ. I mean, there was uh, when they lost Sule and some other guys, there was expected bad drop off and then they won the regular season championship. So um, Sule, another guy, he left for JMU and then ended up in the Sunbelt. They weren't in the Sunbelt at the time, but good for good for Sule. I think he's trying to go pro and everything. I really liked him. He was a nice guy when he was here. So you mentioned uh, your guy there that transferred within the conference to Marshall. ULM, same situation with Thomas Howell going from ULM to South Alabama. What are your thoughts on it? Because to me, I'm okay with it. I mean, if, if you're not happy here, go where you're going to get get the play time you want. You're going to be happy with, you know, maybe uh, a different coaching approach, uh, more play time, more whatever. What's kind of your take on that? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a business decision for a lot of these guys. They're they're looking at their future. They're like, hey, I'm I'm trying to do this to make some money later. And and so when they look at the current area and situation they're in, and they're like, I'm not I'm not getting the minutes I want. I'm not getting uh, the I'm not in the right system that works for my skills. Then yeah, like uh, I say, I say go ahead and transfer. And, and I I think people fans specifically are. are coming around more to that where it's just kind of the nature of the beast guys are going to come in guys are going to come out 
because the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh away. You know, it's you have plenty of other guys that come in from the transfer portal, and then you have guys that leave. It's just I, I think it it, I, it shouldn't be taken personal by fans that watch it. I, I know for me as as an observer, I I like it. I think it, it gives a lot more freedom to guys. You see somewhat of the gross side of it where players are, are starting to get cut. You know, I say cut in quotation marks, but uh, it's it's however you want to say it, cut or or phased out or or what have you. Um, you know, you, you see it on the national stage, or at least the, the national media is talking about, like at the Colorado situation with Dion and how many guys have have come out and said, like, no, they they told me to go enter the transfer portal. Um, but but and I think that's part of it as well. That's an an unfortunate side effect of it is that like. Coaches can can do that with the portal and and let guys go, but I think it's necessary for what they do in their job as well. It's not really to, to blame coaches for using it this way. It's it's fascinating for sure. It's a fascinating development in college football. It's why or college sports in general, I guess. And it's it's why I love call it covering college sports. It's just uh, ever changing. You know, you you have to you have to evolve with with the sport. The transfer portal is very much part of it. It adds to a lot more to talk about in the offseason. That's for sure. You know, for guys like us who are trying to do pods and everything, it's uh, it's nice to be able to have some transfer portal talk. Who who knew? Probably about the time that that we were both uh, working at the U.S. Scout, I was with Rivals, that we would have discussions about college free agency. Yeah, I know it. You know, it, it's kind of fun though. I mean, it's I I hope in the long run, it benefits the athletes, uh, whether that's financially or, or, or putting them on display for, for their, their like giving them some good tape to get noticed by some, some of pro teams in the future or whatever they're trying to do. But we won't know for a few more years, I think what's, what's the, the long-term effects of it. In my mind, I'm like, this is great. This is players, player empowerment. They have freedom. Uh, it also allows coaches whenever they're like, man, we really need some players like a new coach like Kenny right now, they're hitting the portal hard. Uh, and there's no doubt. I'm sure they've had those difficult conversations with some guys like, hey, we're we're not going to use you. And if you really want to go get on somewhere like we, we suggest you hit the portal. I'm sure they're doing that with some guys as well, like every coach in America is, you know, a college coach. They're having these conversations, but I I feel like in the long run, it'll be good for the sport. I, I just hope it doesn't uh, um, find a way to, to take advantage of these athletes and, and the ones that don't necessarily have the power to get an NIL deal or anything like that, that they're, they're getting shafted, you know, which, which I, it seems like is happening in some of these situations. And, and I hope that there is a way to put up safety nets for that you know, and, and, and to protect some of those players. Um, I think that needs to be discussed just as much as like, okay, how do we pay these guys? How do we do this? There needs to be uh, with, with some of these guys who are promised scholarships and everything and they, and they show up and they, and they dedicate and they commit these time. And then they're told, Hey, you're, you're out. Um, I think there needs to be, I hope there is. And, and maybe I'm, I'm just naive and don't know what those guardrails are for those guys. But at the time now, it just seems like a lot of them were basically getting, getting not kicked out of school, but their scholarship is gone. So if they want to stay at the school that they accepted a scholarship at, they got to pay for it. So it creates a whole, a whole caveat of, of issues that I uh, don't know how to fix personally, but I, I am interested to see how it plays out. So it's springtime, obviously talking spring football, recapping basketball. There's also baseball, softball going on. How crazy is it that Bobcats, softball and baseball, right on the cusp of having a 30-win season and nowhere near the top of the standings? Is is Sunbelt baseball, softball that good, or did we have that lofty of expectations for the Bobcats on the softball and baseball fields? Uh, probably both. I would say both. I would say the, the stun belt is tough. It is very competitive in, in both baseball and softball. And it got tougher when they expanded and they added Southern Miss and, and, and uh, Marshall and ODU and all these um, JMU. It just got, got even tougher with, with some of these additions. And, but I think for this season, specifically baseball, I don't know if softball had too high of expectations, but baseball did after what they did last season. 
uh, a, it just, this year it's been very inconsistent. A lot of new guys, you know, had some, had some guys leave. They've had issues with pitching rotation due to injuries. Tristan Stivers leaving the, the closer last year. That's kind of left a vacuum at the, at the end of the, the lineup uh, or the rotation, the pitching rotation, I should say. Um, I think there's a lot of freshmen that are playing. Chase Mora for the Bobcats. He's having a terrific year hitting home runs, but it's still a young guy, an experienced guy. And so I think that's where, where a lot of this inconsistency comes in. Now, before they, this past weekend where they, they lost 1-2 to Troy in the series and had that 22-5 to blowout on Saturday, they were on a, a, a nice winning streak where they had beaten uh, Texas and UTSA, who was ranked. I think they're still ranked at the time. It's a nice rivalry win for the baseball team. Nice win over a 25th ranked team. Uh, they had a sweep over Marshall that weekend. So th- they've shown uh, that they can get it done, that they have the talent to really to 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 get these wins. But it's just hard for them to maintain that consistency. And we'll we'll see how it plays out. There, there's still time before the tournament, and see if they can get hot when when they need to. Seems like that that's been an issue with sports across the board for Texas State, where they have a a, um, a terrific regular season, and then they just can't get it done in the actual tournament. So we'll we'll see if it's if it's similar to basketball, where that was their issue, and they flipped it this year. Had a bad regular season, good in the tournament. See if baseball can kind of get that going. But yeah, they, they were definitely expected to be closer to the top of the standings. But like you said, it's a crazy year. Some really good teams out there and a lot of uh, of parity in in the Sun Belt right now. I mean, who knows? Any team could, uh, any team in the top eight could, could jump up to number one, number two. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy right now. Jeff, can't thank you enough for always joining us. Tell people how can they read your stuff and, and hear the golden pipes of Kef Tardello. Golden pipes, you oversell me too much. But you can you can check me out on, on Twitter at Kef underscore C. Uh, I do writing for the, the Statesman, writing about the Bobcats. I also talk about the Bobcats for uh, a podcast I have, Win Now or Get Bent, which you affectionately like the title. Thank you very much. I'm a big Love fan the of the Fun Belt. I'm a big fan of the Fun Belt pod as well. That's a it's a fun title. <laughs> but now I have yeah, check me out. Uh, uh, all over Twitter. I'm always tweeting too much, honestly. But but thanks for having me, Dusty. This is always a blast to be on the Fun Belt pod. So there's the latest going on in San Marcos as the Bobcats have a new leader, a new team, and a new outlook as they get ready for the 2023 season. But one team that really, we already know what the, what the future holds for them. Shane, you, you, you broke the story or, or added to the story that the Atlantic broke or the Athletic broke earlier this week. JMU, they're, they're, not, they're not going to Shreveport. They're not going to New Orleans, Montgomery, or anywhere else this upcoming season. What's the latest with that postseason uh, bowl ban, I guess you could call it? Well, we'll back up just a sec because okay. they could end up in one of those places Ooh. if – there aren't enough six-win teams. They're going to be at the front of the line ahead of the APR five and seven teams. Okay. So that's one thing to keep in mind, um, that if like last year where there were two spots to fill and they went to five and seven rice, um, JMU would be ahead of a team like that going into next year. With that said, they were not expecting – to have to resort to that because um, really all along since they got the Sunbelt invite, we're told they were going to be able to play a full Sunbelt schedule in year one. The expectation was that because they played that full conference schedule, we're in the conference full on um, that they had the resources and budget and success and everything else at the FBS level they were going to be able to cut that transition period in half from one, from two years to one. Um, that request ended up getting denied uh, this week or last week, um, I guess about a week ago um, from a week ago. Yeah. So that came as a little bit of a surprise, not as much as a surprise if you've been 
talking to people at JMU probably in the last month or so, I think they were starting to get like indications that it wasn't going to go their way or it wasn't as much of a sure thing as they thought. Um, they had the Sunbelt behind them, which I think they thought was going to, um, you know, the Sunbelt office was pushing for it because, you know, they want to have every opportunity for a bowl or sure. a major bowl or, you know. It's embarrassing not to have a top team. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, you know, why take anything out of your arsenal? Absolutely. You know, I mean, because you can look at it. There's probably at least a handful of teams that you can look probably have a legitimate shot to win the conference. JMU is probably among them. And, you know, so you're putting yourself in another situation where, you know, possibly the best team wouldn't be eligible for a bowl. And so you don't want them playing in your conference championship game and taking that spot away from another team. Uh, so it's just, you know, the Sunbelt didn't want to have to deal with that for a second year. They didn't think they were going to. Jamie didn't think they were going to. But I think a lot of things have changed with the NCAA probably in the last six months. Good new president. They've changed. Uh, they've been less lenient on all kinds of different waivers, whether it's transfers, whatever. Um, I think they're trying to rein in the Wild West feel of everything a little bit. Um, and, yeah, so they just ended up not granting that request. I don't think – I don't think anybody at the NCAA also wants to deal with explaining why they felt like JMU could skip a year, but then deny Sam Houston or Kennesaw State or whoever. Uh, I think they just didn't want to open that can of worms. And uh, yeah, surprising, I think, to most people at JMU. But um, in the end, it really only delays things about a year. And they might get into a bowl game anyway. So, I mean, I think it's probably There's actually not ended up being a huge deal. I'll be the naysayer and say it. Yep. Boo-hoo. You knew what you were getting into when you decided to go D1. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pay the, pay your price. Pay the pauper like the rest yeah. of us. Yeah, oh, ULN's been in a constant state of transition for oh. 25 years. Let him Let him heal. No, kick him while he's down. Beat beat that horse until it can get up and try to gallop. I I actually wrote something the other day. Hey, we saw that, yeah. Along the lines of, okay, yeah, if you don't want to change the rules midway for JMU, I get that. What I don't get is why, why we do a transition period after you've already started playing at the next level to begin with, whether it's Merrimack basketball going from D2 to D1 or Jamie going FCS to FBS or, you know, here in Virginia, Emory and Henry went from D3 to D2, like whatever level it is, why are we, why are we doing the transition after you move up? Why can't we like just vet these programs and decide if they're able to move up once they're approved why doesn't it start then? Like, why couldn't maybe you go through a five-year period, like a, a vetting period or three years or whatever, where you declare, Hey, we're James Madison. Okay. If we get an invitation to a con- FBS conference, we would like to move up. <laughs> so look at us for the next five years, look at our average attendance, our budget, our facilities, our, staffing whatever criteria you think makes an fbs program evaluate us for the next five years and if we get the invitation we would like to move up and if you think we're good enough play right away and i think that should be the case for anybody moving up at any level listen i i can't let you continue this way because you're being very earnest and i don't want to want you to make a fool out of yourself because it's going to come out shane (laughs) Uh, and Tibbs and I already know this. We discussed this offline and we discussed whether to tell you about this, but I think we should. The reason why James Madison wasn't granted that exemption is because there was a certain reporter. I'm not going to say who, but it was Shane Metlin that was making insulting a lot of teams <laughs> this offseason, just making a lot of enemies. And it rubbed the wrong rhubarbs for some very important people in the NCAA, Shane. 
So I, 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 I'm not going to say who that guy was, Shane, but but they made Appalachian State very angry. And when you make Appalachian State angry, it actually makes it to where it ruin. It, it, it's like it like you can't do play any more football in this town. Tibbs, I, I'm sorry that I had to tell him that way on on air, but he needed to find out. He needed to find out from a friend. I just want to know why when he's talking about give us the vetting, make sure we're good, peel back the onion and look at us. The only thing I had popping in my mind was Enron for some reason where where they were like, don't worry about it. Just invest more. We're, we're fine. We're fine. Oh, I go. Yeah. Are you saying that there's a seedy underbelly to JMU that we don't quite know about yet? Quite possibly. Maybe, maybe that's why. (laughs) <laughs> they the, the NCA knows something that we don't. Are the JMU's finances okay, Shane? Do you? As far as I know, but yeah, is paying your electric bill? On time? I th- I think the NCAA came and made a visit to look at everything. So yeah, who who knows? Maybe maybe they found something that was uh, disturbing. Maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe some SAT ACT scandals on the horizon. <laughs> yeah. ah. Who knows? <laughs> it, it, anyway. It, it, if you play that documentary backwards where they talk about, you know, the people that were rowing in air quotes to get into Stanford, if you play it backwards, it's really about James Madison. <laughs> oh, my God. Suddenly minus is plus and plus is minus. Everything makes sense. <laughs> anyway, it's stupid that James Madison has to go through all these hoops and, and stuff. I feel like they've proven themselves. I know Thibodeau doesn't care because he's heartless, but I do care, Shane. I I, I feel like the Dukes belong in a bowl game if they win the prerequisite amount of games, which they generally do. Yeah, I mean, I think you could go either way on giving JMU a waiver, but I just feel like there's so many teams. We're seeing this, you know, happen other places. We've seen it with multiple basketball teams that went D D two to D one and you know, the general public doesn't like it. They think if you, if you win, let them play, which I can agree with, but like, yeah, if you thought they were good enough or prepared enough to make the jump from D two to D one, then just let that be, let that stand. Once you start playing at that level, I think you should just be all in. Did Noah Fleischman break down in tears when he got the news? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I, I want to be careful with him. Yeah. He's, he's young. He's impressionable. Mm-hmm. Maybe emotional. I don't know. I just, I just look out for him. I, Shane, I need you to be his mentor, his guiding we'll, hand. We'll take good care of him. <laughs> so speaking of taking care of it and stupid as well. Is this going to be another great Thibodeau segue? How do we mute Jeremy? <laughs> ben Carr, the all-around, all-American Masters representation from Georgia Southern, your golfer of the year, Jeremy. Ooh, yeah. You know, he had, Georgia Southern had a great year. You know, they 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 uh, they they were good with the sticks. I believe the team won. The men's team won the uh, Sun Belt tournament. Am I right? Yeah, I, I think they won the 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 men's side. ULM women's side. Women's side. Yeah. 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 ULM won the women's side. Got a trophy. Yeah. I. You know what? I feel like there's some tennis news in there too. Like, uh, I think the. Oh, I think I want to say the Old Dominion doubles team is going to the NCAA's. I think I saw that. I think I saw that. It was either singles or or doubles. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Jag men might be instant qualifiers correct yeah okay yeah i don't follow sunbelt tennis partly because a state tennis is really historically a bad program i mean it's just it's just a horrendous program and i try to become the tennis coach i don't know if you remember that but i put in my application to be the tennis coach this year and it was denied and the prices is, is that a state tennis came in dead last so I, I'm thinking maybe Jeff Puritan, the the athletic director, might be reconsidering my application. So I'll let you guys know. I might not be able to do the podcast anymore. I might be coaching 
women's tennis at Arkansas State. Uh, you'll be sorely missed. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Shane, uh, uh, send up the bat signal. We, we, we need a reliever. Yeah. Maybe get Noah. Maybe we'll have a great, we'll have a great guest. We like to have coaches on. So uh, (laughs) Jeremy will make a great guest. I would love just to talk tennis for about 30 minutes. You know, the aces, the, the backswings, you know, all sorts of stuff that's related to tennis. Yeah. Are you, I'm sure you're great at teaching those backswings. Man, I am dynamite at that. Yeah, that's my best move. The old back swing. And Arkansas State is still dead last in softball. Yeah. We don't have a team, Tim, though. I, you bring that up all the time. It hurts. It's Good. Like you're, you're putting your thumb into your salty thumb into a festering wound in my soul. And Speaking of being wounded. Yeah. Okay. It is definitely time for Plugs Promos Parting Shots. <laughs> Jeremy, what, what do you have for us? Uh, well, all right. So I was going to talk about the length of the NFL uh, draft. Seven rounds, which isn't long. But three days? Are you kidding me? This has to be three days, Tibbs? Why can't this be two days? Yeah, I'm fine having one day for the for the first round. Okay, let's make it pomp and circumstance. Let's really blow up the egos of these kids. Let's have, you know, uh, big-time announcers do all these these dumb stories about the backgrounds of all these guys getting drafted. I don't care. That's fine. But two days for rounds two through seven, why can't we get this going? But, you know, that's that's actually not what I'm going to talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk about an achievement I made tonight before the podcast, something that I never thought was possible, but it did happen to me. I posted a story on HowRazor.com. And then, in turn, I posted it on Twitter so people could read it. And the title of the story is, The NFL Draft is a Power Five Orgy Again. And I talk about all the the paranoid stuff I I talked earlier about the NFL Draft. And Twitter hit me with a warning. It said, we put a warning on this tweet because it might have sensitive content. Thank you, Elon, for protecting us. (laughs) From, From my orgy is what he's protecting you from. So <laughs> less assured, Sunbelt Nation, if you are to open that, it's not about, you know, like some sort of 70s hairy-chested orgy. It's just about the Power Five being way too prevalent in the NFL draft. Shane, tough act to follow as always, but uh, please lay it on us. It really is. I'm just going to go with the promo because I can't, I can't top that. Oh, anybody can I have talk. No, I have no orgies to talk about. So uh, <laughs> just check out dnronline.com slash sports and read about all the uh, JMU and Sunbelt stuff we have. They don't do orgies in the Northeast. It's too cold. <laughs> that's more of a Southern thing. I mean, that's what they do in Houston, right, Tibbs? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> On another note. Okay. Just when we thought we were past the lockdowns and the COVID, yeah, and we were getting some quality movies, some quality TV shows, the damn Writers Guild of America have gone on strike. Yeah. That means production is stopping, and we will all be forced to rewatch Tiger King once again. (laughs) <laughs> to see if Carol Baskin really did kill her husband. <laughs> oh, she totally killed her husband. No. <laughs> you, you missed the news. He's a lot. He's been like alive. They found him? I think I'm pretty sure I saw that. No way. It was in the National Enquirer. So, you know, it's 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 really okay. there. Him and Elvis were hanging out together. He's uh, totally inside the stomach of a tiger. That's got to be where he is. I tell you what, though, that writer strike, they, one of the things that they're worried about, the writers, they want more money, of course. Everybody wants more money. And as a writer, you know, I'm all for that. But they're really worried about AI. And you might be thinking, I, I, Shane, I don't know how deeply you've investigated this, but like I, I'm a writer, I, 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 I uh, in, in advertising. 
which isn't like a real writer. It's like a like a joke writer almost. But, you know, I write like press releases, for instance. It's part of my job. So somebody just as a joke said, well, let's let's have chat GPT write this press release. I was like, oh, shit. And chat GPT did a pretty good job. And I got a little nervous. So they're concerning. Yes, it is concerning. I mean, you you make your living, Shane, with the written word. Yeah. It could be Chat GPT pounding out your insight in the next five years. And I kind of blame you, Tibbs. You're you're in the cyber community, right? You're a cyber guy. This is part of your fault. Why can't you protect us from this? Yeah, but I still try to dictate into my iPhone and and you know it it talks about Instead of the orangeman of Syracuse, it talks about the orgy. So we're back to that, Jeremy. 